to the Lone Survivalist podcast. It is May the 20th, uh, Wednesday night. Normally the show goes on a Tuesday, but yours truly had a birthday, so we decided not to. Uh, we were out enjoying life, or at least I was. Um, tonight's show, we're on episode 11. Um, it looks like we're slowly but surely trudging along through the the coronavirus, COVID, Kung flu, Wuhan flu pandemic. Uh, some of the parts of the states or some of the parts of the country, including our state, are, are starting to open up the... Uh, the, the panic or the pandemic level or the alertness level of some people is starting to wane. Um, that doesn't mean that you should should stop preparing or stop uh, keeping an eye out and, and getting ready for what's next. But um, it, it's, a, it's definitely a, a good time when no one is rushing to the supermarkets for supplies that you can kind of pick up some things and put some things away. Tonight's show, we're going to touch on uh, quite a few topics. Um, we've got Matt from American Survival Co. Matt's going to continue down the road on the edible plants or useful plants that that are available to you in your areas. Um, we've got Michael that's back on the show, one of our guests, kind of turning into a regular. Uh, as everyone knows, Michael has a farm, has bees, a big proponent of the permaculture in the farming practices and he's going to talk about that kind of some kind of uh introductory level to get people involved or to give them some information where they can turn to and we've got Stuart from the land down under um Stu's been doing some reading and some research and has some advice for uh you know continuing to improve and uh, improving your awareness, level of knowledge, not just from your surroundings, your community, but also some of the the great authors and and experts out there that are putting out books for, for all of us here on the show and, and all of you all listening. Um, you can listen to the show. We are on uh, patreon.com backslash lone survivalist. We're on Spotify. Uh, big keynote for Spotify, if nobody saw in the news. Joe Rogan just signed a bazillion dollar contract with Spotify. So we are on the coattails of Joe Rogan. So support our show and, and we'll, we'll tell Joe at our next board meeting that uh, we appreciate you supporting our show. And as, as always, we're on Apple iTunes or Apple podcasts. You can find us on there. And with that being said, let's just let's just jump into the show. Matt, how are you doing out there tonight? Oh, I'm doing doing great. It's a beautiful day in the Ozarks, and uh, and life is not too bad. Uh, so right, I did good. come up with one other thing, Ben, that I want to kind of tack sure. on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To to the plant thing, but this week uh, my plant of the week is a plant called Cleavers, C L E A V E R S. Uh, and it got that name, uh, because it's kind of sticky in the sense that it'll cleave like to your pants legs and things like that. But, uh, cleavers, I specifically wanted to talk about that plant because at least here in the Ozarks, uh, it does not stick around, uh, through the entire summer. Usually, uh, I think last year around July, I didn't see any more of it. Now, obviously, uh, that's going to be different for different regions in the U.S. and how hot it gets, whatever. 
but here uh, it's it's gone at least on my property uh, by July. So uh, now's a really good time to look for cleavers and to harvest it. Uh, Google that. Traditionally, how I've personally used it, it, it has multiple uh, medicinal purposes, but typically how I use it is I will uh, make tinctures from it, and cleavers is a pretty effective lymph mover um, in traditional medicine. Uh, so I've, you know, I'll get, uh, I'll start coming down, you know, getting a little bit sick and the old, uh, lymph nodes, uh, you know, around the throat will start to kind of swell up. And so I'll just take some tincture, a uh, couple droppers of that, uh, once a day and, you know, within a day or two's time, uh, I'm good to go. So that's how I've used it. Traditional has been used that way and traditional medicine has been used lots of other ways. Again, I always uh, will encourage you guys to trust but verify. So you now have heard about cleavers. Go online, uh, start doing some research. If you've got some plant uh, medicine books, uh, go and look up cleavers and see. There's, there's other things that it's good for, but this is a good time of the year to find it, harvest it, and, uh, and be putting that stuff up. Matt, uh, is that plant just for our area or what parts of the country um, can, can, is it available? Can people find that? Oh, it's, it's across the U S it's across the U S now. I mean, you're not, you're, you're not going to find it like, uh, you know, out in the desert. Um, but in, in woodland areas, uh, especially, you know, Midwest across the South, you're going to find it. I'm not sure off of the top of my head, uh, how far North that you will find it. Um, but it's, it's all over the place. Uh, so, uh, check and see if it's in your region. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a botanist, so I don't know all the zones that it grows in. Uh, but here's the here's the good news. Even if it doesn't grow in your zone, when you look it up, and uh, if you determine that it would be potentially a good plant for you to make medicine out of, they're like, uh, I think it's called mountain rose or rose mountain herbs. There's a few really reputable places out there where you can go and buy these dried herbs and i think i bought like a one or a two pound bag of cleavers last year um because it disappeared before i got a chance to wildcraft and harvest it uh and it was like it was super cheap it was like 12 or 15 bucks maybe and let me tell you two pounds of cleavers that are dried is a lot of freaking plant so uh, even if it's not in your area you can find one of these herb sources online where you can buy it and, and get it in. So that's my plant of the week. Um, yeah, I was looking Matt, at that right here. Go ahead. I, I, I bought from them. It's Mountain Rose Herb. I Mountain. bought from them before. They're yeah. absolutely a great resource. When I make mead, if I don't have some of the ingredients that I want for mead making, I will use Mountain Rose to get it. They're awesome. Yeah. There, there's, a, there's a few out there that I've heard of that are really good, but like you, I had really good luck with them, and uh, their packaging was good. I mean, I, I was really pleased with with the service, the the and the product for sure. Um, one other thing I want to talk about, I kind of want to bring up, is something that I've seen. Uh, I'm hoping this is happening across the country, but I've seen it happening here in the Ozarks, um, to include Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri, where the price of beef has skyrocketed 
in a lot of places. Uh, I'm seeing ridiculous prices that people are, you know, snapping a picture when they're at the store and uh, and posting that online. Uh, but what I'm starting to see pop up, and I would encourage you guys to start doing some looking in your own areas, like through Facebook pages. Uh, and if, if there's nothing there, create something. And this is essentially groups that are to get every, each other hooked into local beef uh, producers, local pork producers, uh, so that essentially you're bypassing the supermarket and going directly to the source. Uh, and the nice thing about those groups, you know, I may not have the money to go buy and get a whole cow butchered, but there may be 20 other people in that group, uh, that I partner up with and, uh, you know, we get that to a butcher and now, you know, I'm paying for a 20th of a cow instead of an entire cow or a half of beef or, you know, something along those lines. So, uh, in, in doing that, two things are happening. One you're getting much more reasonable prices because you're not going through this huge supply chain, right, from God only knows where. Maybe it's being shipped in from Brazil. Who knows where it's coming from? And you're supporting actual local people who mean something to your community, and you're supporting their farm. In turn, you're supporting uh, the food uh supply for your local community so i've seen a lot of that popping up and people are really uh seeming to jump on board uh very positive attitudes and finding cheaper and actually a lot healthier solutions in terms of grass-fed beef and those types of things uh so i would encourage you guys look online uh check out if you're you know on facebook uh, start looking for some of those pages where you can get hooked into, and it's not just like beef producers and pork. A lot of your farmers, I mean, I I don't know. I haven't looked, but I seriously doubt farmers markets are going to be popping up all over the place right now because of the whole social distancing thing. Maybe, maybe they will, but uh, if they don't, that's another end to get fresh vegetables that are grown locally. Uh, and a great way to support your local neighbors, right? So I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if you guys have been seeing that or not, but I've been, uh, you know, joined three or four groups, and it's a really good resource uh, to be able to get fresh food on a local level. Yeah, I've seen the same thing cropping up. I think it's kind of been a, a, a little subculture before, and the the things that have going on or have been going on have kind of brought that to the forefront. Um, I think it's a great idea. I personally buy some, I, I drink goat milk. I buy goat milk from a local uh, farmer here. And I also get um, elderberry syrup from a lady here locally that makes elderberry syrup and i use that for flu um flu medicine rather than the over the over the counter stuff i get our elderberry syrup and then that goat milk from local locally sourced and couldn't be happier and then i found some weirdo down uh in the river valley fort smith barling area that i get some honey from now so yeah, i'm trying to support the local economy even yeah. all the weirdos nope. And don't trust those guys. Yeah. Hey, Matt, one thing I was going to, uh, I'm going to put a link in the show for people that, 
want to do a little bit of research into the plants that you're highlighting uh, usefulness. I found a website a couple weeks back and it's called uh, www. It is all one word, ediblewildfood.com, ediblewildfood.com. Free resource website goes into all the different categories of plants. There's weeds, fungi, aquatics, tree shrubs, flowers, gives some recipes, how to forage, gives direct links to a lot of research on different plants. And I put a link into the show notes for, for the listeners out there tonight of your cleavers uh, plant that you mentioned. I wish I'd been doing this all along, but I will make sure I reference that ediblewildfood.com for people uh, listening. They can go there and find any and everything that you bring up or that we talk about here. It's got a basic search and then it'll also let you bring down to the regions that you live in um, for plants that maybe happen here and they don't occur. Say uh, you're listening in the hills of Afghanistan on your on your iPhone. You can't. We've got different plants here. Right. But well, we are available in Afghanistan and Iraq on Apple iTunes. So I just want to plug that. Another really, really good resource that I want to plug is a guy out of Florida, uh, Green Dean, um, and his website is eattheweeds.com. Uh, that guy, holy smokes, he's got tons and tons of really good informational Facebook videos on individual, pl- or not Facebook, YouTube videos on individual plants. Uh, and he's got a lot of really, really good write-ups on his website too. So that is a a really, really good resource. I'll put that in the, uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. I'll add that right now. Eattheweeds.com. And you said Green D. I think he's got a YouTube channel. I'm almost positive I've seen that. Yeah, that dude is super legit. Yeah. Um, moving right along, um, we've got Stu in the land down under. Stu's in parts unknown in his bunker in the Ozarks. And... For those of you on the show, you're about to be amazed. Stuart, tell us what book that you read or give us some insight into some of the, the information you've been reading. For the listeners out there that didn't think Stuart could read, he's about to blow your mind. Yes, contrary to popular be- uh, beliefs, uh, Australians can read. Uh, we've been reading for a few years now, so um, I like to read. The book I've been reading uh, recently was given me by Ben, and it's a great book. It's called Lights Out by David Crawford. It originally started off as an internet uh, uh, serial, so it would come out like a chapter at a time and on a, uh, a blog or something. Anyway, it got such a great following, it turned into a print book. Um, I cannot thank uh ben enough for giving me the uh book uh to read Uh, it's thoroughly enjoying to read um so basically a bait uh a synopsis of the book is this uh there's been emp event it's not necessarily a um an emp strike or a a solar burst throughout the whole book it doesn't really get into what caused it but it talks about the effects and especially the lead character uh mark turner who is a um 
accountant and he is a uh, martial artist as well as a supporter of the second amendment and he lives in a gated semi-rural community in texas so i'm not going to ruin the book for you but basically it's all about his um establishing a community of that gated community and other small areas around uh the county he's in and uh their the adventures they go through as society collapse collapses and it's very very good in the way that it's like a group of people there's very few of them have are preppers and it and it shows ways that they can just come together use each other's skills and strengths and work together to um affect outcomes on various problems they have now the book's got a whole heap of action in it it's got suspense it's got twists um it's also got a lot of how-to stuff as well. So I thought the book was great. Now, I'm going to give it some criticisms, okay? Maybe not in criticisms uh, as the research or the writing or whatever that went into it, but certain things come along in the book and you think, would I do it that way? Would I do it this way? Stuff like that. So... It, do, it it takes a while during uh, this, the um, scenario described in the book for society to really break down. And eventually it goes a little bit Mad Max. So um, when it does, and I get it, the guy, the character, and the people who, who he's with, they're mainly, um, you know... Church going, law abiding, um, very, you know, upstanding people in their community. I get that. But the three major problems I have with the book is this a lot of the times they want to take prisoners, okay, um, of bad people who are really bad. They're going around murdering, raping, stealing, pillaging vandalizing things um sounds like vikings <laughs> well actually vikings traded more than they fought but anyway we can get into that whole different story but um yeah when they fought they were really bad but these gangs were just uh like terrible worst of the worst um my opinion is if everything goes mad max i'm not taking prisoners okay now yeah, if there's local law enforcement or maybe government apparatus trying to help with the situation and I catch some bad dudes, I'd hand them over to them because they're someone else's problem. But um, if I can't hand them over to a legitimate authority, uh, they're going to be turned into a fertilizer for my farm. <laughs> the other thing is there was always this existential crisis they go through when they catch a bunch of these bad guys or kill these bad guys and they go, oh, look at all the loot that they have. What are we going to do with it? And it's like, uh, find, this is what I would do. One, finders keepers. Now, let, let's just say the situation is such that you find a group of people that are 
have been abused or um, done over by these uh, gangs or whatever, and you've just rescued them. Yeah, give all the gear back to them, help them. Right. I'm. Uh, um, I think in any scenario, even if it goes totally bad, Mad Max, it's better to be the good guy than um, just some sort of warlord with a fiefdom, because in the end, you'll just create so many enemies, you'll you'll get um, wasted eventually. But yeah, it's not that hard. Like, okay, if there's people uh, you can help with those supplies, help them. But otherwise, it's yours. So there's that. And the, the last thing is the martial arts that this character is a practitioner of. Now, if anyone could see me, a picture of me, they know I'm, I haven't worked out or done martial arts in a while, okay? I'm a bit of a big fella, but I've got a few health problems that have negated it. But um, if your only martial arts skill is karate, especially of the 1980s, 1990s strip mall karate dojo, um, you know, that is uh, probably going to be how you get your butt kicked. Um, modern martial arts now has evolved to take the best of everything. So, yes, a lot of kids do karate and all this sort of stuff, but if you're not learning other skills like uh, grappling and you can look at jiu-jitsu, judo, um, uh, even traditional Greco-Roman wrestling and all that sort of stuff, if you're not doing that as well as learning MMA, which crosses all the spectrums, you're going to have a hard time in any legitimate street fight. But we can talk about that a million, uh, a million different times or ways another time. But definitely... This book was excellent, and I cannot uh, recommend it enough. If you can, it's uh, "Lights Out" by David Crawford, and um, I think that that book is a great book, especially after two or three weeks ago when we talked to uh, Alan Kay. The best thing you can do about any prepping scenario, or especially pre-event type. Uh, prepping you can do is create a community and that's what he does in the book and creating a community is a team okay like we say the lone survivalist moniker that we use is just about how it's hard to be a prepper when there's a lot of people outside think that prepping is a waste of time well thanks COVID-19 you've just proved us right and there's so many other things that could happen to us in Western society that will um, eventually history will show that prepping is a good idea. But, yes, community is key, okay? Finding friends, finding like-minded individuals, convincing family and friends um, is so, so important. Now, uh, just on another side, um, uh, David Crawford's written another book called Collision Course. Oh, I just got it off Amazon. I haven't read it yet, but it's basically about a, um, from what I can just read off the synopsis on the back of the book, it's about a financial collapse, which brings me something else I want to talk about. Before okay. you jump to that, Stu, 
yes, before sir. you get into the next part, um, the, the book, I have to agree with you. Great book. I like it. Um, a friend of mine, much like I did with you, gave me the book, said, eh, see if you like it. I've put a link to the book uh, for people to buy that on Amazon. You don't have to buy it on Amazon, but you know everybody else does. Um, there is another book with the same title, Lights Out, written by Ted Koppel, where he talks about a EMP burst on the United States. Ted Koppel uh, was a news reader for years. It's not that book. I, I put a link to the correct one in the show. Fantastic book. Stu, let's move on to your next part. I just wanted to to, to, to delineate that and uh, specify that, that I put that the link to the correct copy in the show notes for people to um, to see. Absolutely, yeah. By the way, Ted Koppel, um, I like him. I watch a lot of his shows and stuff on YouTube. Uh, but anyway, yeah, David, David Crawford's the author of this book. So... Um, his second book, Collision Course, is all about a um, financial collapse. Currently, what we're in now is they haven't said the R word, but we are well and truly hip deep in a recession. Okay. Millions and millions of people have become unemployed. Um, but people are saying it's only temporarily. I don't know. Let's just say. God willing and knock on wood, the economy bounces back. That awesome. Don't get me wrong. As a prepper, I always hope for the best, but I prepare for the worst. I do think we're not just going to go past recession. We could go into a depression, severe financial collapse. And I, like I said, I haven't read this other book yet, but I have read another book um, and it's a series by one of my favourite uh, authors on the post-apocalyptic scenarios, James Wesley Rawls. Now, all of these books I like to call, put in a genre I call prepper porn. So it's um, like, yeah, Mad Max type mixed with, um, you know, like a war movie mixed with a, um, you know, crime thrillers and all this other stuff all rolled into one and then you got prepping and survivalism and all that so um yeah james wesley rawls he's written a bunch of books in a series and they're called the patriot series and um i highly recommend people read those books especially how they are all about um a financial collapse causing the most damage to Western society. Um, one thing I would, one thing I would add here, the books are written in a, a storytelling fictional novel form. They are sprinkled with good ideas, best practices, recommendations, prepping scenarios. They are written in a novel form because most people don't read textbooks. Most people don't read, um, you know, research-based books. It's written in a, in a novel form to get the hero or the heroine and show the struggle that they're in. Um, it, it's a fictional book, obviously, 
but there are a lot of good scenarios and a lot of good information in the book. One question I got for you, Stu, about your recession um, theory. For a recession to occur, there has to be a, a dramatic loss or a decline for two consecutive quarters of gross domestic product. I do not see us having two success, successive quarters of economic decline. I see us having a, uh, a quarter drop here in this first quarter of 2020, but I don't see a second quarter of being a decline. I, I don't see that. I see the, the thing that I just saw in the news or uh, was watching the news, one of the chairmen's or one of the chairman of the economic reform or economic impact, Steve Mnuchin, um, basically just said, I mean, he came out and said it, the people that are out of work now receiving the PUA, which is the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Funding from the federal government, if their jobs are made available and opened back to them, then they will no longer be able to draw this free cash so that is going to send people back to work um I, I see people going back to work in the next i mean people are starting to go back to work here now but i see everything really ticking back over in the next two weeks and i see the economy making a really big jump um, i do a little bit of day trading with stocks and just this week alone things have really started to change around or started to make a positive impact. Um, I mean, what, what, what do the other guys here think? What do, what do you think, Michael, uh, Matt, Stu, what do you think about that question that I had? Because I don't see us having two quarters of economic uh, domestic product being, being low. I, I don't see that. Well, I, first of all, I secede to the gentleman – from the United States Navy, <laughs> you you do know a lot more about the economy and finance than me. Absolutely. So yes, I may be incorrect, but my I think other, I, I other, think being prepared for the worst, which is what we all want to be, and then something good happening to surprise us, is a lot better than. A lot of the people that are prepared for the vet, for the best, and then something bad happens and it catches them off guard, which I think is what we've seen. W would we all agree to that? Yes, but I also I also think that we're we're okay. We're in the early stages. Uh, the reason this is okay, we've we take Australia for instance. They've taken a hardline stance against China now. And they have uh, established a coalition to create an inquiry about the COVID uh, epidemic, okay? And yep. now China is messing around with tariffs, okay? A lot of big thing that's been put on the back burner of all of this is the trade war with China, okay? Is Trump, when those negotiations take back up or, or whatever, when things start going back to, to normal, is he going to continue that hard line or, you know, is he going to throw in with this uh, huge international coalition? I don't know. My gut feeling is 
that there's going to be a lot of economic turmoil because of this whole uh, COVID crisis. Now, like I said, I'm no expert on the economy, okay? And maybe it's just because I'm a prepper. And as preppers, i got to admit, we, we do err on the side of... Um, We're all know, pessimists. Scenario, worst We're pessimists. Yeah, we are... We are a pessimist, but I'd rather be an educated pessimist or a pessimist who's creating plans than just someone who's who's not doing anything. You know, head in the clouds, swimming with with rainbows and unicorns. Exactly. Absolutely. In my opinion, is is that you know it could really go either way, um, and it, it, so by definition, is it too? It, to in decline in a row, so this quarter would have to be worse than the, than the previous. Is that correct? I'll give you the definition of a recession. The definition of a recession is a period of economic temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. Two successive quarters. For the last two and a half years, we have had GDP of about three to three and a half percent overall GDP. During the previous eight years of the previous administration of a name that will go unspoken, GDP was less than one and a half percent for eight years. So our economy over the last three years has almost doubled the previous. Now, that being said, this first quarter is going to have a real kick in the cojones because of the uh, massive layoffs, unemployment. It's going to. What yeah. that does is it sets up the rebound. And I hate to bring up um, relationships but when a guy and his girl or Stu and his goat have an argument, it sucks. But when they get back together and they have that makeup coitus, it's, I mean, uh, nobody wants to near, be near Stu's barn, so to speak. It's going to be loud and wild. And I think the economy is going to be loud and wild and a, a big rebound. Now, that's just me personally, but I think a real big rebound is is what is going to happen. I think that's going to be perfectly timed for the, the fall. And everybody knows what's happening in the fall right around Thanksgiving. We've got an election coming up. Okay. So let's get a couple of things straight. I do not own any goats. Um, I, <laughs> I was never involved with any goats and never will be involved with any goats. And uh, by the way, no goats were harmed in the recording of this show. Mr. Mr. Ben has a very funny nickname that I won't, I will be a gentleman and won't bring up on the show. But anyway, Ben, look, I can, I can cede the point to you that, yes, with the economy, like Michael's saying, it could go either way. Yeah, and that's, that's really what I see is I, I think that things are opening up right now. I, I'm not as optimistic as Ben that there's going to be a, a huge, ginormous rebound. 
um, because things are opening up in phases this quarter. I, I think it's going to be slow go. I think it has potential to be back on track and maybe better than um, the previous era of uh, the president. But I, I'm not as confident in saying that it's going to be a huge, ginormous rebound. And I think that it really depends on what happens with the reopening. Um, How fitting is this guy's campaign slogan where we're at in the world right now? What what, what is the slogan? Make America great again. We're sucking right now. How fitting is the campaign slogan right now? Yeah, it's pretty pretty fitting. I mean... Um, so, I, 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 and, then, and then the other thing, talking about the fall, I think that there's, there's the pro, you know, what happens with COVID in the fall is, is there a second wave this fall that comes in at about the time that flu season does? Where are we going to go with that? So, I just think that there's too many factors in my mind to be able to say that it's going to be a big rebound. Um, but, you know, I'm also not, a pessimist. I think that it's better going to be better than it was this quarter for sure because things are opening. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see it. I mean, I'm a little more optimistic. I dabble, like I said, with some day trading and things of that nature, and I'm just seeing some trends. There are a few shares and stocks that I have followed throughout the years that kind of lay out the the path of what's happening in the economy. And it's weird, but these couple of specific shares or specific stocks, the it's it's like the economy follows or the trends follow. And that that's just me. That that's just me from from my personal experiences. Okay. I am I am try, I want to be positive. And I know people get beat up for being positive, but I, I'm staying positive about everything that's happening right now. I I, I, I am absolutely. Um, don't throw yourself into a into a pit of pit, uh, you know, despair and or anything like that. Yeah. Um, that's the worst thing you can do. But okay, tinfoil hat time. Let's just let's just war game this a little bit. Okay, China gets um, gets the stick taken to them for this whole COVID thing, and quite frankly, they should because they uh, tried to uh, hide all this and then ended up killing lots of people around the world. So there's a lot of countries that are having a massive backlash against China. And I've I saw Australia's leading the charge on on kind yeah. of a worldwide investigation into that. Is that true, Stu? I mean, you follow yeah. the Aussie news more than more than us. Just, absolutely. I was just talking about it a minute ago, that this coalition of 160 countries want an inquiry. And because of that, China's put, okay, Australia is a massive agricultural producer for China. Wheat, barley, oats, all that. Then minerals, okay? iron ore, uh, all sorts of minerals, bauxite for aluminum or what we call aluminium, but a bunch of other minerals, copper, all the important stuff. China 
has now put tariffs on Australian pro produce because of this. Okay. Um, and that is a big, a very dangerous game for Australia because Australia is basically biting the hand that feeds them, not necessarily in food, but definitely in the money and wealth that it brings in because not only is individual mining companies and consortiums and the workers making money off those goods that they're selling to China, but Australia grabs massive amounts of royalties from um, uh, the mining industry, okay? So it's basically government money that they get and the government then spends on um, projects within the community, all right? So let's just say China gets goes old school communism and gets really, really angry about it and they're showing signs of that and uh, they start messing with the world's economy by, you know what, uh, we're not going to produce certain stuff, we're not going to do certain trades, we're going to jack tariffs up, we're not going to deal with this certain country, this, 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 and you have economic instability, okay? I think we could have a, a situation with not just economic instability but definitely a, a regional conflict with China. Uh, it could be about the Spratly Islands, the South China Sea, the mineral-rich uh, South China Sea. could be about Taiwan. It could be about them letting King Jong-un off the leash and messing with South Korea. So many other variables that what we're in now are very, very interesting times. So... Yes. Um, maybe it all goes back to normal, okay? Maybe it's only, there's a, it's only a little bump in the road, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guy, okay? I think worse times are to come because of all of this. Well, so, I have a question for, to, follow, to kind of tag on to what you're talking about. Steve, I got a question for you guys. I'd like to hear your opinions. So when we come back to you know, the economy here in the U.S. Right now, uh, I, I still don't think that it has happened on any kind of consistent scale for self-employed and small business owners. Um, but we have so many people right now, uh, and Ben, you kind of talked about this at the beginning, that are receiving unemployment benefits, right? Um, I don't remember how many million uh New unemployment cases have occurred. Do, do you have any of those numbers close by, Ben? Since COVID I will get that. I will get that right now. So however many million it is, Ben's going to get us an answer in just a second. What I'm wondering right now, um, it's almost like people are being tossed some breadcrumbs, right? They're getting an extra $600 a week uh, on top of their unemployment where they, they lost their jobs. But my understanding is, uh, and this may have changed, my understanding is that benefit ceases uh, either in June or July. Is that correct? July, uh, supposed to be July 1st. Okay. The last payment. Yep. July 1st comes along, and all these people who have been like, well, it's not ideal, but I'm doing okay, right? I'm doing okay because... I'm getting an extra $600 a week, extra you know $2,400 a month on top of my standard unemployment benefit. So 
uh, they're they're doing fine now, and now all of a sudden that tw- extra twenty four hundred a month goes away, and now they're trying to survive on you know three hundred a week or three fifty a week, whatever it is. Do you guys think that we see a huge shift in morale within the U.S.? Do we see a huge shift in how people behave? Uh, and when I say behave, I mean kind of in two ways. Uh, their behavior, but are they behaving? So, for example, uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, the EBT, the food stamp system, went down in uh, in California. I think it was in L.A. County. Um, it shut down. It wasn't even 24 hours. Only like seven or eight hours had went by, and people were on the streets talking about rioting and burning the city to the ground. Because their EBT cards hadn't worked in six hours, right? Mm-hmm. So when you take away $2,400 a month or if it's, you know, uh, two people living together, $4,800 a month from folks, do you? how do you guys see that impact? And not only the economy in terms of people have all this money to spend that they're getting extra, which is stimulating the economy, obviously, but... What does that, because I, and to tie in with that, the last thing, I suspect a bunch of those jobs aren't coming back because there's probably a lot of companies have figured out how to do this now. They were forced to figure out how to do this to stay in business with fewer employees. Things are going to be different at restaurants. You're not going to need as many servers and those types of things. They're operating on skeleton crews because of the whole social distancing thing. So all of those kind of factors tied in together. Do you guys see that being problematic for local economies? And do you see it being problematic with how people maybe possibly start to come undone? I got some information for you right here. Okay. So looks like 36 million people are getting the pandemic unemployment assistance. 36 million. 36 million. Here's something that's very interesting about this and something that was just proposed in the latest um, stimulus proposal. So $600 a week, if no one's really thought about this, is a very key or very important amount. That works out to 40 hours per week, and at 40 hours a week, that is $15 per hour. Who's been trying to push for a national minimum wage of $15 an hour? Some crazy people. So this $600 a week works out to $15 an hour. So this goes away very soon. Who magically looks like the bad guy? Who magically looks like the heroes? Because here's the problem. When it comes to anything given by the government, the simple fact is, and this is why we have Tons of states uh, and counties that are literally bankrupt. California. You can give, but you can never take away because people people come reliant on it. Right. People come reliant, and then when that's taken away, they're not going to behave. Yep. And you're right. To take a line out of the book I just read, Lights Out, whenever you receive anything from the government as well, there's, there's always strings attached. You betcha. Yep. Okay. So thank you, Matt, for enunciating 
a lot more uh, intelligently than I could ever describe a lot of my misgivings about this situation um, we're currently in. Absolutely, I think there is more to follow in all of this. The other thing is this, and I will say this very, very nicely. People are jerks, okay? And you can take that as you, as you want. Maybe it's why I live out in the middle of nowhere, but people are jerks. And you see it when there's so many things happen that let's just say pers or personal group A has a problem with something that group B did, but gr group A decides to riot or do something and they totally destroy not only Group B stuff, but Group C, Group D's, Group Group, uh, and it goes on and on and on. It's like they're so enraged that people um, just want to wa watch the world burn. Um, and that's why, especially maybe it's me because I'm a veteran and a few other things that um, I like to live a, an isolated lifestyle, but yeah, the hu human nature uh, can flip on a dime. And like I was saying, we're living in very interesting times. So, yeah, I'll be the naysayer. I'll be the uh, dooms doomsday um, prophet with wearing the sandwich board, walking down the road, ringing a bell, saying the end is nigh. But, yeah, there's more coming. There's more coming to this. Buy your staples, buy your ammo. Establish your communities. Um, and one other thing. Okay, let's get off that topic for a quick second. I um, want to hear what Michael's thoughts were on that before we change topics. Yep. Okay. Oh, I wanted to hear what Michael's thoughts were on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going away, you know, how he yeah. thinks it might have an impact. I, I think it always has an. I think it always has an impact when the government gives um, gives money. I think that there's been the big push, you know, that's been creeping up over. You've seen different people push for two thousand dollars living wage a month, um, right. and um, I think that any time that the government does something, the first time it's difficult, the second time it becomes easier. So it, it's almost like a gateway drug. Yeah. Um, and it, it really concerns me from that standpoint. Now, my hope is that um, it will go away and the majority of the people will go back to work. Um, I, I think you're right. I think that some, some businesses will never come back. Uh, some businesses will learn to be more efficient and take that money and some people will put it in their pockets, but the great thing about the American economy is that, for the most part, uh, business people want to, to make more, and in general, making more means they increase their cash flow, which results in them creating more jobs. So if things open and things start going back, I, I do think that there'll be a resurgence in jobs, and they're normally better-paying jobs. However, I think that you're going to see a certain sector of society and a certain certain areas that are going to be impacted more. J.C. Penney's is a great example. You know, J.C. Penney's, it, it, it was going by the wayside anyway. This just sped up the process. Um, a, a lady that I work with in Russellville, Arkansas today said that um, their Ruby Tuesdays uh, is 
officially permanently closed now. They were doing takeout orders. Um, however, now they're going ahead and shutting down completely, and they've already completely closed. So I think that businesses that were already hurting, uh, this is very much the nail in the coffin. And, and, and I think in some instances, um, it's going to be bad. So I think that the economic growth and the recovery will probably be slow from that standpoint because people are going to try to be reserved with their finances, is my guess. Well, there's, there's one other thing that I think about when I think about the economy and how it's really hard to judge and determine factors. For instance, uh, there's it's, it's had a ton of views uh, this video on youtube and facebook that's been circulating this guy in south carolina former marine uh i'm guessing that he was a marsoc guy based on the pictures in the video uh basically being raided right uh for having his uh snap fitness uh open um so you got all these small business owners <clears throat> that are not allowed in a lot of states. We've been so blessed here in Arkansas. I know Oklahoma has been pretty good to where we haven't had super strict, like draconian type uh, methods used on uh, businesses being closed. Um, but in a lot of states that's happening to those, those business owners. So <clears throat> you're, you're taking the ability to make money for their staff and for themselves and for their family and some of those people are just never going to be able to recover. They've been hit so hard. Their life savings are gone. They're not allowed to open back up. And some of those people now are just saying, screw it. You know what? I'm done. If I don't, what's the worst that can happen if I do open up? Um, when you start taking measures like is happening with that guy, and I'm sure, you know, he's he's just one of a million uh, that that's happened to with small business owners. Um, I think some other things get thrown into the mix with what may be coming in terms of that money being taken away from people. Not all those jobs are going to be back. Those people are frustrated. They're mad. Now all that money's gone. There's nowhere for them to go. They can't pay their bills. Oh, and now you've got all these other people uh, that were, you know, business owners, maybe doing really well and all this stuff. Now you've got something else that's not just an economic problem. Now you've got a huge part of the population who's really, really upset, right? And that can become a destructive force. Uh, I don't know. I think, like like Michael said, like Sue said, I think there's, <clears throat> well, we can talk about the economy as a whole, and the economy is, uh, macroeconomics can be a really complex subject, and I'm, I don't have a, a degree in economics. I, I don't pretend to know a lot about it. But I do know enough to know it, it's pretty complex and a whole lot of different variables can impact it. Um, I, I think you're right. We're in interesting times, and I don't know what all that means and what it's all going to mean when all this kind of comes to a head. But I'm certainly concerned about the possibilities, you know. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, and I've seen a couple of instances of the rights being taken away, just like you're saying. Uh, you know, in our, here in Fort Smith, Temple Live wanted to do a concert. Uh, they had social distancing there. They, yeah. had, they had 
set, you know, their spaces apart. They'd sold less tickets. They'd done everything in the world. And then, you know, Big Brother had his way, stepped in, stepped in in and said, hey, you're not going to do it. And then there was another instance I saw. uh, So that was in Arkansas. You don't think about it happening here. But and then in California, I saw a salon owner who basically had, you know, the kind of the same thing done. She she opened up and um, the government banded together from two or three different organizations. And it wound up being OSHA that came in administering her twenty six thousand dollars in fines for every day that she was going to be open starting the next day. And so, essentially, she couldn't fight the fight. She had to close her door. Um, And the issue that I see with it is when we lose these kind of rights and we get used to it as a society and people say, this is okay, man, that's a a big issue. I'll give up. I will give up my rights for a little bit of safety. And... The government is doing the right thing, and it was the same thing that you know I shared earlier in a post this week with a, a tourist that had gone to Hawaii. She was supposed to be there, and she was supposed to be in self-quarantine, and she didn't quarantine. She took pictures and said, and so they put a manhunt out on her. Uh, all Facebook bulletin points where everybody was sharing it just to go get her. I think that you know, those business owners are going to be frustrated because absolutely they know that they cannot fight the government and a certain percentage of them will be discouraged and won't reopen as a result. And then as a population as a whole, I really think that we're going to lose some rights out of this because people are laying down and taking it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely really concerning and i'm just kind of sitting back and looking at the whole thing in disbelief you know i I did not expect (laughs) i did not expect to be seeing these types of things in my lifetime Um, we just got to be prepared that's about all we can do prepare ourselves um prepare our our homes our properties our families Uh, i hate to say it but I mean, you bring up a lot of the times, you know, control or worry about what you can control or worry about the controllables. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that is almost like prepper gospel. You know, I think first, first, uh, commandment in prepper gospel is Stu's line skills before dollar bills. I think, mm-hmm. uh, second would be your, control the controllables, you know, um, if we had a commandments for prepping, I think those are going to be on there. I don't know what number one and number two is, but those are, those are going to be pretty high on the, on the totem pole. <clears throat> I could work on those and get those posted as to, Sounds uh, like a good idea. Which, yeah, let's do that. Michael, um, you wanted to talk a little bit tonight about your permaculture, permaculture farming. Yeah, so uh, we're talking about skills before dollar bills. So this is um, this is a skill section, really. And I, you know, I'm going to kind of give an overview of uh, a little bit what permaculture is, and kind of 
you know, how I got into it. Um, and I'm a, I'm no expert by any means, but I definitely apply some of the principles. So really, I was really looking into homesteading because I kind of do homesteading type stuff on my farm. Um, and so as I was looking around um, on homesteading, I just happened to see this video on YouTube and it was um, it was about a guy greening the desert. Um, and it was Jeff Lawton. That's G-E-O-F-F Lawton. And he's a British uh, born person who lives in Australia now and he's been there a long time. And this YouTube video, he, he is in the Middle East in an oasis. And I just thought, wow, you know, if you can produce that in a dry, arid, hot climate, you've got to be doing something right. So I started looking into the principles that he applied. Um, and he's a, he's a, he's probably today the uh, world's number one resource on permaculture. Um, he followed Bill Mollison, who's one of the founders of um, permaculture, who's no longer with us. Uh, and if you're looking to get in, Bill's got a book that's called A Designer's Manual by Bill Mollison. And that's kind of an entry level book um, on permaculture. So the name permaculture um, so what it, what it means, um, it doesn't, it stand. So if you look at Mollison, what he, he wrote, um, permaculture is the aim to create systems that are ecologically sound, economically viable, which provide for their own needs, do not exploit or pollute and are therefore sustainable for the long term. Um, and if you look up the definition of permaculture, what you'll find is that it stands for permanent culture. It's not perm permanent agriculture, which some people thought that it was, but it's, it's permanent culture. And so it's really about people interacting with their environment in an ecologically um, sound way to produce a yield to give back a yield to the to the land and create a sustainable system um and you can you know that they've got a lot of principles a lot of uh so there's 12 principles involved and some of them are about obtaining a yield storing energy uh interacting and observing with your environment and there's different zones and there's there's a whole lot of technical data um that goes into it but really the way that i've applied it on my farm um i'd like to give you some examples you know yeah one of the things that they talk about is the problem is the solution and that sounds like some zen master thing that you hear out of yoga but i can give you some some good examples of that um i have sheep and goats and um with the sheep and goats they were in a temporary building, um, and of course, you know, they build up a lot of fecal matter in that building. Um, so this year, we were looking for new garden space, and we really needed to rotate that out. So what we did is we took the walls off that temporary building, um, and 
left the pole structure there, which it's not permanently in the ground. And then we spread that manure across the ground as it had been in a deep manure system. We'd been putting straw in there and it had kind of piled up. And now we're growing a lush, beautiful garden in the area where the sheep and goats were. And they produced this for us um, by giving us all the manure and compost that we need right there. To take it a little bit further um, and how the systems can kind of work together, uh, we've talked about my bees before. So I have bees. I have a lot of hives, and um, they produce really good honey. Um, so when I got to my property, I decided that I was going to keep bees. I was going to kind of put clover a little bit everywhere. So I grow a lot of clover on my property. Um, now, the way that that fits into a permaculture system is if you're looking at it from an ecological standpoint. So the bees use the clover to get honey from there. The clover dies off every couple of years and really puts nitrogen back into the earth. So it refreshes the earth and it makes the earth have more nitrogen in there. So other things will grow better. In addition to that, with my goats, chickens, and uh, sheep, they love clover because it grows in the cooler weather, and it is a very high-protein source for all of those animals. And then those animals, in return, put out fecal matter, and that fecal matter feeds into my garden. So you can see how it's like a complete loop system where I'm really keeping the energy there. And then, you know, you can't add on to it. Um, it so there, sometimes you have to bring things in from the outside. I don't have the time to have 100% self-sustaining. So in the wintertime, I have to buy hay, and um, I buy some feed for the animals to keep them over winter. Um, but I get a yield and a return back on that because I sell the excess animals and that pays for the feed. So it's really so a it's a food system. Without getting too deep into the woods and soil samples and nitrogen and, and all the elements and molecules. So it's basic a farm that one part of the farm is feeding or providing nutrients, fertilizer for another part of the farm. That farm is in turn providing for another part and so on. Kind of a big ecological circle. Is, is very far from the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know, and it's along the principles without doing damage. I'm not I'm not doing damage to my land permanently. It I'm really improving the quality of my land rather than doing damage to it. So absolutely, it's a it's a <clears throat> system that I could sustain forever and ever with very minimal output from the outside. Gotcha. Yeah. I've heard that um, permaculture has been simply described as a um, man-made uh, and supported ecosystem where uh, man, uh, human beings, are the apex predator. Um, so it's like a food chain, but it has, uh, like you said, a closed-loop system. Um, and I think it's a great idea, and eventually I want to get that going on my property but um, you do need to have a bit of a, you know, an investment, financial investment to get it kicked off. Um, so, yeah, I, 
I'm going to be one day getting down to Michael's place and definitely taking a, some notes, that's for sure. Well, uh, Michael, thanks for that. What's the website that you were talking about uh, in the very beginning yeah. there that I can add that to the the, the show notes? So for Jeff, Lawton's, wanna... uh, Jeff Lawton's website is jefflawtononline.com. JeffLawtonOnline.com. And it's G E O F F is Lawton.com. We have a look here. Jeff Lawton Online. Permanent. Here we go. Where's this guy based out of, or does he even say? Uh, no, he is. He's based out of Australia. He's uh, down under. So, uh, and, and I wanted to give a contrast, and I, I meant to, compared to where we've been with agriculture with it. Um, and it won't take me but just a second to do so. So one example that's big in permacultures is trees, 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 trees everywhere. Um, and it makes a lot of sense if you think about trees in nature and what they do. They talk about the trees being the forest floor and being a pond and holding everything together, giving off so much. Um, so in permaculture, you have trees and you have plants that feed back into each other, whereas what we've done in agriculture um, in the last couple of hundred years is really monoculture. So it's growing one item and growing it very well. So the difference is, is that when you're doing that, um, you're continuously tilling the land. By continuously tilling the land, you're having excess runoff of topsoil. In the U.S., we export a ton of topsoil into the ocean because we have so much runoff which is really bad for the land. Um, in addition, you by having monoculture like that, if you're growing one one type of plant, you have to fertilize, fertilize, fertilize. While I'm not opposed to fertilizing, um, in instances I can understand it and it needs to be done, um, at the rate that we do it and the runoff that we have, you can create bad problems down the line with other things. Um, and when we're talking about bees, monoculture is actually a very bad thing for bees from the standpoint of, you know, it's, I, I heard today somewhere that 70% of the calories in, in the entire world come from three sources of food uh, on vegetables. And, you know, that's corn, soy, and I forgot what they said the third was. But essentially, we're, we're losing all of our diversity tying back to those three crops. Um, and the bees are being exposed just to that. Farmers don't want weeds. Weeds are alternate source of food for bees. I can understand them wanting to have the greatest yield, but what you wind up with is a system where all the bees have to eat is chicken their whole life. Well, while chicken your whole life may make you good, you know, and strong, but if that's all you have, you're not going to be healthy. It may sustain you for a while, but you definitely have to have variety in your life, and they do as well. So that's kind of a difference between agriculture and permaculture. Makes sense. Diversity is going to, you know, much like we want to be better prepared, it's going to better prepare your entire farm, your entire layout, your entire spread by having some diversity that's all kind of working together, kind of that, that farming community. 
that Alan so eloquently spoke about. Absolutely. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on briefly, I was talking to a friend of mine that lives out in the western part of the United States, lives up in Washington. <clears throat> I was talking with him. He's a listener to the show, um, bit of a prepper, survivalist, uh, jack of all trades. And one thing that he mentioned in some conversation we chat about once a week was how having some things on hand, maybe for bartering, maybe for trading, maybe just to help your neighbor is really useful. And he had a, a really good idea or good recommendation. Pasta. Pasta is so cheap. And if your neighbor in, you know, whatever times is in need, pasta is easy to keep. The shelf life is a lot is ridiculous for the shelf life. So I, I thought about that for a minute and I thought about the, the whole need of, of bartering and trading and swapping. So I, I bought, I spent about, I don't know, about $30 and I've probably got enough pasta to feed Northern Italy right now on 30 bucks. And I, I just put it off to the side. I put it in some, I've got some food grade five gallon buckets with the sealable lids, the screw on lids. Highly recommend those Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever you want. Um, and I filled a uh, two five gallon buckets with pasta. So I mean, it's there. It's not going bad. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not hurting me. It's taking up a little space, but that's about it. But at the same time, if there is something that occurs where I can help somebody out, you know, throwing them a bone might keep them from, from breaking into my house when I'm not here or, you know, vice versa. Or maybe I can trade them some of that for for some of whatever they've got, you know, but it's just a, such a, a very inexpensive, um, product that you can keep in your pantry, your stores, your closet, wherever you keep your supplies and could really go a long way with, you know, that, that peaceful gesture, peaceful flag for somebody else <clears throat> that, that is hurting on, on goods um, so that, that was just one thing that I, I ran across this week. And like I said, for about 30 bucks, I've got enough pasta to last a heck of a long time. The other um, side, you're also keeping your neighbor, uh, who might be your ally in absolutely defending your place or helping you with your an eye out while I'm not here. Like Stu was talking about in the book. Yeah. You, you're going to be a like it or not your neighbor's unless they're just total, total jerks, hopefully yep. they're going to be part of your team, so to speak. And that's an, that's an olive branch, prepper yep. olive branch. Um, I don't think anything's better as a prepper olive branch than maybe some first aid supplies or some food, <clears throat> you know, and we all think about ammo. We all think about water. We think about proteins, but you know, if you can throw somebody some, some pasta, some noodles, some rice, something like that, I mean, like you said, Matt, that's going to pave the way to some some cohesion and some 
some some conjunctive work or some working together, you know, getting building that community. Yep. Um, last thing, if, if if you guys don't have a whole lot else for the show tonight, um, we've gotten over the last couple of hey. weeks. We oh, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Ben, I was just going to tell you that, uh, you know, I, I agree with you 100 percent in that, um, you know, when we were talking about the economy a, a minute ago, you know, I, I really feel like I'm unsure. And because I'm unsure, I have been increasing my preps in my food storage, the same same thing. Um, and right now there's a plentiful supply of rice and beans at the at the store. And, I, you know, we eat rice and beans. I believe in prepping what you use. My wife um, is, you know, by, by uh, you know, her background, she's half Latina. And um, so we eat a lot of beans and rice and tacos. And so rice is on the shelf right now, but they're still limiting you to one bag per person. And what, what I found is that at Sam's, there's a 10-pound bag. And it's a whole lot easier to store that 10-pound bag in containers, you know, in a secondary container. From my personal experience, if you just store it in that bag, it will get moths will get in it. So you really do need to go ahead and get you buckets like you were talking about. But since you can only buy one at a time in this current environment, it takes some forethought to go by the store and get that. And if we do have a resurgence, of problems in the next year, hey, you've got it. If you're buying things that you need, then, and you use anyway, if we don't have that resurgence and that problem in the next year, you just don't go to the grocery stores often. I mean, it's it's very simple. And so I've done rice the same way that you're talking about pasta. Rice yeah, it's not going to go bad. I mean, it's you've got it. It's not going to go bad. You know, pick one up every you know four or five times you go to the grocery store pick up something in bulk that you you can keep long term that won't go bad you know you're not going to um alert or look like a weirdo whenever you now if i went in and bought 15 10 pound bags of rice you know that would i'm either starting a asian restaurant or i'm panicking you know but if right. you pick up a bag here, a case here, a, you know, a, a box here, it's not going to look as as absurd. And it's definitely not going to affect your wallet as, as bad, but it's going to go a long way. And beans and rice, um, I got a real good friend, uh, shout out to him. He's a World War II uh, veteran. He was a POW in a Japanese death camp for a little over four years. And they lived off rice for the better part of four years so if he if he could make it on some rice for four years in a pow camp i can probably get by on some rice and some beans and whatever else i want to throw it around here for for a shorter term it is my guess you know yes even another writing uh thing is alcohol and i'll tell you why um Let's just say a group of people come by and they're not necessarily of the um, upstanding, you know, law-abiding citizen class. And you can buy them off with a few bottles of alcohol. Um, let's just say 
they get, and they're not very smart, they get drunk really quick on it, they'll be a lot easier for you to uh, correct their behaviour real quickly. So, yeah, uh, I, I've got uh, alcohol for trading. I've got um, extra ammo for trading. The downside is maybe those people use that ammo against you. But, yeah, I've also bought a lot of rice recently. Um, so, yeah, there's various things you, you can have uh, for trading to not only establishing allies but also keeping your community strong. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Stu. Couldn't agree more. There are certain things that you can have as, you know, a uh, things on the side for trading, for swapping. I'm sure uh, cigarettes probably would be really good. I would think cigars, alcohol, um, some food, some first aid supplies, bartering, trading, whenever things are scarce, probably going to be uh you're going to look like a very wise man and you'll probably be sought out if you have some of those things that somebody needs um, yeah Matthew was speaking about um being an uh a natural medicine expert um you could trade those skills for a lot of uh good things Absolutely. Was speaking about that last year mm-hmm um, yeah, and you were talking about tobacco. It's a great, it's a great thing to grow as well. Um, you know, you reduce price. It's used very much in the old timers used it in uh, animals to get rid of parasites. They would feed it to their animals to get rid of parasites. So, yep. Um, it, and if you can grow it, you don't have to worry about the tax that's on it. That's very true. Um, with that being said, I think we can kind of close the show out tonight, unless you guys really have something that we missed, you wanted to add, or or uh, yes. some last-minute topics. I was going to throw it over to Stu. Um, over the last couple of weeks, you know, this is episode 11. We're into the middle of May. We started out the show back in March. <clears throat> so episode 11, we're starting to grow we're getting a base. We're getting some traction. It's kind of like starting that first fire with the, you know, that first friction fire. You got to get it hot before it sparks and you add a little tinder and add a little of this, add a little of that. And it's starting to grow. We're starting to get a little more traction and we're starting to get more members on the Patreon page. Um, the Apple podcast has really started to see an increase in the plays and the downloads I'm not an expert on on the Apple software, but I can kind of see my way through some of those things. So I was going to throw it over to Stu. He's got some friends that have uh, or acquaintances, uh, people he's ran across that are listening to the show. Stu, I'll turn it over to you. Let you close it out here and 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 uh, give a shout out to some of the listeners there that you've made some friends with. Okay, so I just want to say a quick uh, thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Yes, I've been promising it for uh, quite a few shows now, but yes, exclusive content is on the way. We're just ironing out a bunch of details. There'll be videos, extra shows, articles, all that stuff on Patreon. You can see all of our ugly mugs. Yes. Um, we will uh, endeavour to do that, I promise you. And if anyone else can support us on Patreon, um patreon.com backslash lone survivalist i cannot thank you enough 
Um, another one, uh, shout out to a new Patreon supporter, Seth. Um, he's a uh, author, a uh, friend of mine from down in Texas. Um, thank you. Also, we will definitely invite you on the show. Um, he's a uh, written a lot of articles and books about uh, on the topic of self-defense. He's a novelist, so he writes fiction, but um, he's very well uh, versed in different types of self-defense uh, scenarios and techniques that everyone should um, think about. Uh, shout out to my mum in Australia. She's listening to the show. She's a, a big fan of Matthew and his Thank plant. You. My mum is a loves. My mum loves the plants. Uh, she's a very good gardener. Um, also, Monday is Memorial Day, or this weekend is Memorial Day, uh, where we remember the, the uh, war dead of America. Um, now, I was in an Allied army, um, fought the same wars as America did. Um, I cannot thank our servicemen enough, especially the families of the um, servicemen who have paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice. Um, I know I can speak from my regiment that I was in in Australia. We we lost uh, three guys, um, Brett Till, uh, Rowan Robinson and Scott Smith. I'll always remember their names. Um, I know Matt and Ben served and they lost guys in their units. Um, so all the veterans out there thinking about their fallen brothers this weekend and families of fallen servicemen. As an immigrant to this great country, um, I cannot say thank you enough. And um, as a serviceman of an allied country, I know uh, a lot of, about uh, Memorial Day. We have our own version in Australia. But, um, yeah, this show... Uh, came together because of three veterans, um, myself, Matt and Ben, and uh, any of our listeners listening who are veterans or had family members who served, um, especially um, who've lost family members, um, we can't thank you enough. So that's all I want to say about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Um, we'll do another show next week. And I uh, can't wait to talk to you all there. Well, that'll close it out tonight, guys. A great show. I think we went just a little shy of an hour and a half. Um, as Stu was saying, we're at patreon.com backslash lone survivalist. Um, the video content's going to be coming soon for the Patreon subscribers. See our ugly mugs. Um, I don't know how far in the future that we take this, but potentially we could have a uh, uh once once we can get rid of the social distancing crap and get back to real normal um i know someone that has a survival camp here real local american survival co um that oh, yeah. we could probably get together and and do a, a video led plant walk we could probably get together for those that are above age at said plant walk for an adult beverage and uh kind of break down some of the barriers that the that the podcast may have for some of the listeners. If you're close, um, things on the horizon are growing. Um, yeah, June, hey, June the 6th, we have an, an intro to survival course uh, for anyone of our local listeners that might want to attend June the 6th. 
June the sixth. Local listeners, uh, intro to Survival Co. American Survival Co. That's fantastic, Matt. Man, that's great. Um, but I just wish everybody uh, a good time. Uh, have a good holiday weekend. Um, everybody's been cooped up at home. Be careful. Um, never underestimate an idiot. They will beat you with years of experience. With that being said, I'm going to close out the show. You guys have a good night, and we will catch you next week, probably back on our regularly scheduled Tuesday night because next uh, Tuesday is not my birthday. So with that being said, uh, you guys have a great night.